It's nice to see you this morning. We've been studying through Proverbs. We started last week. And we're looking at the major themes in Proverbs. Proverbs are wise words from King Solomon, things that he taught us. And today we're going to talk about mastering our mouths. Proverbs talks so much about the tongue, the mouth, what you say. Over 120 verses are specifically about that. We're a country that talks. We believe in freedom of speech and people take advantage of that. The average man speaks 20,000 words a day. That would be like in a year, that would be 66 books, 800 pages long. The average woman speaks 30,000 words a day. That would be 99 books, 800 pages long. So you, you think about an 800-page book, that's a lot, and 99 of them. That's how many words a woman will speak in a year. That's 66 books would be how many words a man speaks in a year. So we are a country that takes advantage of our freedom of speech. We like to talk. We like to communicate. Today, there's going to be 55 million people in church this weekend listening to over 400,000 pastors, and together, us pastors are going to say uh, more than a billion words. Have you ever heard... Uh, that saying, a lot more said than done. <laughs> it's probably true. In Proverbs 13, 3, it says, he who guards his mouth controls himself, but he who opens wide his lips come to ruin. If we don't guard our mouth, it can end up ruining us. I'm sure that we've all had experiences where we said things that we regret it later on. And we think, man, if I didn't say that, my life would be better right now. Because if our tongue has the power to really bless our life or to really ruin our life. Just one thing can make all kinds of problems for our life. So in your notes, we're going to just look at three main things, three main statements that he talks about. Now, in Proverbs, when it talks about the tongue, it talks way more than these three things. But I didn't want to do a 22-point sermon. So I just thought, let's stick it to three. But these are, these are three things that are going to help you a lot, I believe. Number one, think before you speak. Contemplate before you communicate. In Proverbs 16, 23, it says, intelligent people think before they speak. Wow, I want to be intelligent. I want to think before I speak. How many times do you find yourself speaking before you think? I know I do that. You know, I'll say something before I'm thinking it out. Maybe I'm saying it while I'm thinking it out. The verse continues, what they say is then more persuasive. If you want to persuade people, you want to think about what you're going to say first. Think it out. Weigh it out. Think about how to say it. You know, <clears throat> if I believe I want to influence people in a certain way, a certain direction, take time to even write it out and to practice what you want to say. So that way you can be effective in your communication. But if you go unprepared and you just kind of wing it, you're probably not going to have the results that you want to have because you didn't think before you spoke and you won't be able to persuade people in a positive direction. So it's saying get your mind in gear before you engage your tongue. And that simple thing makes you look smart. People listen to you and they say, oh, wow, what he has to say is worth listening to. When you speak, people will stop to listen. There's an old kid's poem it says, a wise old owl sat in an oak, and the more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. 
Let's try to be more like that bird. And I think that's, I think, well, that's not good only for kids. I think that's good for me and for you as well. Just thinking before we speak. Look at Proverbs 18.20. You will have to listen with... You will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. Have you experienced that? You live with the consequences of what you say. Have you ever said something and it caused a negative chain reaction? You say something and then this happened or that person took what you said and they told it to this person. And before long, what you said has turned into a major problem in your life. And it's caused way more stress than what you ever thought it would. And you're thinking afterwards, why did I let that come out of my mouth? There's consequences to what you say. We've all found ourselves in those situations that we said something and then we regret it later on. Boy, I wish I didn't say that. Dan Fouts, he was a quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. He retired. Then he says, now that I'm retired, I want to say you defensive linemen are nothing but sissies. (laughs) You know, no consequences that way, right? (laughs) But... Uh, Many things that we say, there's going to be negative consequences, so we have to think. In his case, he used the right timing. I'm going to say, wait till you're retired, you know. Death and life, the scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means the things that we say are encouraging life, or they're bringing about death in one way or another. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly, and only later to consider his vows. Have you ever made a commitment and you didn't think it out thoroughly? You didn't think before you spoke? And then afterwards, it's more like a trap. And you think like, why did I say I would do that? And it ends up costing you a lot more than what you really want it to do. You know what the seven most expensive words are? I now pronounce you husband and wife. (laughs) Talk's not cheap. People might say talk is cheap, but it's not. What you say can affect you in great ways. <clears throat> it's always easier to get into something than to get out of it. It's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of it. It's easier to fill up my schedule than to fulfill my schedule. Have you ever said yes to a salesman and afterwards regretted it? Like, why did I say yes to that? And you look afterwards and think, man, why did I do that? Have you ever said have you ever made promise to, a promise to your kids before and later regretted it because now you have to follow through? And you think, oh, why did I have to tell them I would take them on Thursday? Why didn't I just say I'll take them sometime soon? Because once you say Thursday, they remember Thursday. And to, it doesn't matter to them the emergency that came up because it's not an emergency for them. All they know is it's Thursday and dad said Thursday's the day. And then you regret, you regret saying that promise to the kids because they're going to hold you to it. Have you ex- ever accepted an invitation and later regretted it? Like you told them, yeah, I'm going to go. And then you think about it, why did I tell them I'm going to go? Because you don't really want to go. And you're regretting it. And now you have to go because you said that you're going to go. And, and you feel like, oh, there's so many other things I need to do right now. Why did I get myself in this mess? Because if we don't think before we speak, we end up in those traps. Like it says, it's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. You want to consider it right then. You want to think before you speak. That's a hard lesson to learn. But I think it's a lesson that we've all learned. 
things that we say can make someone emotionally healthy or really emotionally harmed, hurt, or sick. You know, things that we say can help someone feel happy or can help or make someone feel sad. Things that we say can affect, you know, your wealth. How you come across in that interview could have everything to do with whether or not you get that job. It's based on what you say. It's how you present yourself. You know, things that you say have led you into marriage, but things that people have said is also, has also led them into divorce. So the power of the word, it can affect your life in major ways. People have made friends by the things they've said, and people have made enemies by the things they've said. People have been hired because of what they said, and people have been fired because of what they've said. I mean, the point's very clear. We need to think before we speak because the consequences can be very great into our life. It can, if we think before we speak, it can be a great blessing or it can be a great curse if we don't think before we speak. The consequences are too severe. So I want you to evaluate yourself somewhere in your notes. If you're someone that says, I never think before I speak, give yourself a one. If you're someone that says, I always think before I speak, give yourself a 10. But rank where you think you are between 1 and 10. And then make a goal like, hmm, if you're not at 10, which I doubt that there's anybody that always does that. But if you're not at 10, then maybe think out, what am I going to do to help me think before I speak? Because it's such an important thing for our life. Number two in your notes, always speak the truth. Always speak the truth. Proverbs deals a lot with dishonesty and lying and deceit, exaggerating. Sometimes we have a failure of being frank with people. And that's a form of being dishonest. Not being frank, not being, you know, straightforward with people. So they don't know where you stand. See, honesty is the best policy. But in practice, I don't know if we really believe that. If I were to say, this, you know, is honesty the best policy? Yeah. But when it comes into real life situations, we don't believe that. Because we think things like, I know I should be honest about this, but what if they blow up? I know I should tell them the truth, but what if they get mad at me? This is something they need to know, but I'm going to withhold it because I don't know how they're going to react. So a lot of times... We believe that honesty is the best policy, but when it comes into this situation, we don't really believe it. We believe the best thing to do is not to say what we really think needs to be said. In Proverbs 10.10, it says, someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. And that's hard to hear because I want to hold back the truth to keep the peace. I want to, you know, I don't want to cause waves. I don't want to rock the boat So I hold back the truth, and the Bible says someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. So then you read something like that, and you decide, okay, I'm going to tell the truth. So with your spouse or with your mom, your dad, or with a friend, you try to share with them what really needs to be said. It hasn't been said, but it needs to be said. And they blow up, or they start to get defensive, or they start to, you know, get angry, So you backtrack, 
and you decide, forget it. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to go through this. And the, the, the real truth is, we're kind of cowards. Because we know it's something that needs to be said, but in order to just keep things smooth at the time, we choose not to. Now, if there's some person way out there, I've never met them before, I don't know them that well, and they need to hear something, I might not care. I might not care. Maybe I'm an uncaring person when it comes to that. They're a stranger. I don't really know them. I don't feel like I've earned the right to be heard. But if I do that in my marriage, if I do that with my kids, if I do that with my parents, if I do that with my friends, then we're never going to have intimacy. Because if I'm upset about things and it's bothering me and I never speak about it, as time goes on, I'm going to get more angry and more angry, and it's me that's causing the trouble. Because I'm the one that's frustrated by it. They're not. I'm the one that's bothering. And when I choose to hang on to that, I'm hanging on to bitterness. And I guarantee you it's going to ruin the relationship. That's why, even though they explode it, or there's someone that, oh, I'm not, just forget it. I don't want to go through the conflict. Even though I feel like it's really on them, the Bible says when I hold back the truth, I'm the one causing trouble. So that means they need to know, which means I need to be willing to go through the conflict. Because a marriage is worth it. I don't want to have a marriage where there's conflict going on and we do nothing about it because it always is going to lead to bitterness. And you realize this. Truth is always going to lead to conflict. Guarantee. So if you're going to share the truth... It's going to lead to conflict, guaranteed. But with you, when you deal with it and work through it, and it leads to intimacy. It leads to closeness. If you never have conflict with somebody, what does it mean? You're not telling the truth. Right? You can't be with anybody that's close to you long term and not have conflict. You can't, because you're going to have something that you disagree with that's important enough that needs to be said. And it's important enough that if it's not said... It's going to cause problems in that friendship. And instead of talking it out and working through it to build intimacy, you start building up resentment toward that person, and now you're just not their friend like you used to be. Relationship's not the same as before. And they're wondering, we used to be so close. Whatever happened to Jimmy? Why don't we hang out like we used to? Who's caused the trouble? I did I've allowed, I've allowed myself to be a coward and not speak the truth in a loving way. I've allowed myself to be a coward and not share it because I don't want their reaction. But guaranteed loss of friendship or less friendship, the deepness is gone. You can't have a deep marriage if you can't discuss things that are bothering you because you're afraid of how they're going to react. You can't be a coward. You have to tell the truth anyway. Because the relationship is worth the conflict that you have to go through to get the union back to where you want it to be. Don't believe if you sweep it under the carpet, it's all going to work out. It never all works out. There's only one way to work it out, to talk about it. To go through that tunnel, a conflict. Without the truth, dishonesty is going to destroy the relationship. Bitterness is going to destroy it. 
you start having hidden agendas. You're not open with what you're really feeling. So you start acting like everything's okay when it's not. And then it, the, the, it gets worse. You start doubting the relationship. You start doubting their love for you when you haven't even told them what you're upset about. So you start playing head games that pull you away from them, and you're the cause of the problem. You're saying, I'm not the cause. They're the ones that when I try to talk to them, they blow up. But you're the coward that you know what needs to be said, and you're not willing to fight for the relationship. Because some things are worth fighting for. There's a lot of things you shouldn't fight for. But fight for your marriage. Fight that for that one. Fight for that relationship with your kids. That teenager that's going off the wrong track. Fight to get in there. Fight to get into their life. Press it. You know what I mean? Press it. You know, this is your kid's life. Don't just sweep it on the carpet and know your kid's going in the wrong direction and say, but I don't want to say anything to upset them. What's worse? What's worse? Letting them continue in that relationship? Letting them continue down a certain road that you know is bad for them? If you love, you're willing to share the truth. You're willing to be, allow people to be angry at you. You're willing to do certain things because the relationship is so important that you're going to go for it. You're going to go for it. You're going to try to win them over. He, and maybe when you start talking to them, they might win you over. And that's good too. You feel like there's a problem. You say, we've got to talk. When the talk is all over, you realize there is a problem. It was me. But that's okay. Problem solved. Isn't that the goal? The goal isn't to win the battle. The real goal is that the problem gets solved. So you have to be honest. You have to work it out. In Proverbs 24, 26, it says, an honest answer is a sign of a true friendship. <clears throat> It's an honest answer. It's that leveling with somebody. Hey, we need to talk. I feel very hurt. Maybe what I'm going to say is going to hurt you, but we need to talk about it. We can't continue with all this pain going on. They might say, what pain? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you haven't said enough for them to realize that you're in pain. Intimacy is a result of truth. But truth, like I said, truth will always involve conflict. Because when you start sharing the truth about what you really feel with someone close to you, there's going to be conflict in there. There's going to be conflict. Because you're going to say something that you know they're not going to like to hear. But you have to tell them, hey, I'm sharing this because I love you. I don't want our relationship to be superficial. Because you know... It's a very superficial relationship if I'm hurt and I never tell you. When I feel angry, I never tell you. When I'm upset with you, I never tell you. How deep is a relationship like that? It's not deep at all. And what's going to happen to my feelings toward you? I'm going to get distant. Because if, I'm, if I have unresolved hurt, unresolved anger, you know, frustration, I keep holding it in, it's going to move me away from you. It's going to affect our love toward one another. And you might not even have a chance to know what's bothering me, so you don't know what to do. <clears throat> You're saying, he's upset. I don't know why she's upset. She's always upset, but I never know why. She just storms. She won't talk to me. And all you know is that the relationship is lacking, 
and you don't know why. Because you can't get anything resolved if you don't speak the truth in a loving way. That's why I say, anytime two people are together and they never have problems, you know, they never have a disagreement, it just means that somebody's not being honest. Because you have to have disagreements with people. It's impossible for two people to be together and never have disagreements. It just cannot happen. Scott Peck, in his book, The Different Drum, he talks about what he calls the tunnel of chaos or the tunnel of conflict that people have to go through to go from a superficial relationship to an intimate relationship. When he's talking about marriage relationships, and he says when people first start dating, they put their best foot forward. And it's superficial. And you feel like you're in so much love and you have no problems because it's superficial. You don't really know each other well. But as you get to know each other deeper and deeper, you're going to have disagreements. And he talks about real intimacy comes when you learn how to discuss and disagree and work through problems. Real intimacy isn't when you think you don't have any problems. That just means you're naive. That means you, just, you're, you're, you don't really know each other yet. You're just at the beginning stages. If you haven't gone through disagreements, you guys are just really, you're just romantic friends at that stage. But you're not in love because you can't love somebody you don't know. You can lust after somebody you don't know. You can't love somebody you don't know. But when you go through those disagreements and you work that out and you learn how to talk to each other and you learn how to put all your cards on the table and not have anything hidden back and no secrets where you can talk about everything, that's a real relationship. Can you imagine if you have with your spouse or with someone you love, you have absolutely no secrets that you can lay it all out on the table and not be judged? Lay it all, your, the good things and the bad things, the pretty things and the ugly things. And you have that type of freedom. You know, some people have never had that freedom their whole life. Some people have had friends and been in marriage for years, and they've never been able to lay out all the cards on the table. They're scared to death. They'll never have intimacy in their life. What a shame that is. Going your whole life and never having intimacy. That's a horrible life. You want to be in a relationship where you learn how to lay the cards out. Talk to one another. This is the real me. I'm not hiding anything. I'm letting you see the hand that's in the deck. This is what I have. And you expose yourself to them. You expose your heart. This is who I really am. They expose their heart to you. This is who I really am. That's intimacy. But we're afraid of that. We're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of what people are going to say. And we might have some ugly things about us that need confronting. And we're afraid of that. And sometimes we see things that need to be confronted, and we're afraid to confront And instead of having that chance to having a great marriage or a great relationship, we decide to put walls up and put walls up. We're not willing to risk for the relationship, especially if you're married. Take that risk. You're already married. Take the risk. Have the best relationship that you can have, but it will go through conflict to get there. You're foolish if you think you can have a great relationship and and escape Conflict. It cannot happen. It takes conflict. You're going to have to deal with the issues. You have to talk about things. Without uh, Anytime you're having truth, there's going to be conflict. In Proverbs 28, 23, it says, In the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. In the end. 
What I'm saying is, when you first say, hey, we've got to talk, they might not appreciate it at that moment. That's not when you appreciate it. That's when you think, oh, what is it this time? What did I do now? You know, it's, that's not the fun part. It says, in the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. When you actually go through the process and you're frank with them and you're not flattering them, they appreciate it. They know where they stand. They know what they need to do. That's the only way that you can get there. If you don't do that, then you play games with each other. You know, you say one thing, but you don't really mean it. You know, is everything okay? Yes, but it's not. But you say everything's okay because you don't want conflict, but you don't really mean it. Well, that's the alternative. You know, is that the type of life that we want to have? You know, tell someone that you love them, but you don't because you're so hurt by things that they've done that you've lost that loving feeling. You know, you might love them in the sense of like, well, I love them because God loves me. But that's not the type of love they're expecting to hear from you. And when they hear you say you love them, they, they think that you mean that emotional love too. And you say, oh, the emotional love's gone. Does he know that? No. Why not? Well, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to hurt him. You've already hurt him. The relationship is already hurt deeper than you can imagine. So you have to say something. You have to talk about it. You have to bring it out so that you can work on it. It's the only chance to get the loving feelings back is when you talk about it. There's no way to get it back if you don't talk about it. That's why honesty is so important. We have to be honest with, those, with the people that we care about. If you're a manager over people, you want to be honest with them. If they're doing things that are wrong, that are messing, if they're not doing their job right, you don't tiptoe around them. You've got to tell them. You've got to correct them. Give them a chance to get it right before they lose their job. Don't just be irritated at them and finally get frustrated and get rid of them. Talk to them about it. Give them warnings. Let them see ahead of time. This is what needs to happen. Sometimes we're just afraid to say anything until we get so upset that we fire them. But we, you needed to talk to them way before then to give them a chance to learn. Maybe, maybe they can pull it together if you're willing you know, to give them that time. See, I love my kids, and that's why I correct them. I don't correct my kids because I'm mean. I don't correct my kids because I'm getting revenge on them. Oh, let me get revenge on you for what you did. I hope a parent's not thinking like that. The reason why I correct my kids is because I love them. I want them to have a great life. That correction is connected to my love. I might see another kid do something, and I don't care enough about them to say something. Maybe I should, but I don't know them. It's just some kid on the street. I don't think he should be doing that, but I don't know him. So I don't care enough to go up to him and start talking to him and telling him. But if it's my kid, I'm going to say something. Because that's my son. That's my daughter. And I love them deeply. And I'm going to say something. If it's somebody else's kid that I don't know, I might think, well, that's their parents' responsibility. But for my kid, it's different. I'm going to make sure that my kid is talked to. I'm going to correct my kid. So if it's kids I know, I correct them. Being a wrestling coach, it's different. I have all these kids and I'll correct them. But I have a relationship with them. Why do I correct them? There's a relationship. I already feel love toward them. I know them. There's already a, a sense of intimacy there as a coach with these kids. I correct them on things. Well, 
you, you do that because you love people, because you know them, because you care. So it's the same way in a marriage. How can I love my kid so much that I'm going to correct him and try to guide him in the right direction, but when it comes to my spouse, I won't say anything. I'll just be angry at them because I think that they're older and they should know better. The truth is we're all kids. We're all kids. We're just grown up a bit, but we're all kids. We still have our flaws. And there's going to be things that I do that are childish. There's going to be things that my wife does that are childish. And we, all need, we just need to love each other enough to talk about things, especially if it's something that's going to hurt the relationship. So we have to speak the truth. And if you don't deal with it, it will eventually deal with you because two things happen. If you don't share, and you don't share, eventually you get so angry that you blow up. And when you do share, you share a history of things, and you're so angry that it's always going to be worse than if you would have shared immediately. And then the second thing that happens if you don't share is, you know, you slowly get so distant that the relationship's over. And both of those are going to be really bad. So when you get angry, you're feeling hot, deal with the issues. Deal with it. If you're feeling hurt, talk about it. Lay it out on the table until you have resolution. Work through the issues. That's the only way to have intimacy. So, with this one, I want you to evaluate yourself. If you're the type of person that's hurt by things and you're just holding it all in and you never say anything, give yourself a one. If you're someone that the cards are laid out on the table completely, that's where you live, give yourself a 10. Mark yourself, where, where am I? Am I an eight? Am I like more like a five or four, wherever you are? And I want you to honestly tell yourself where you are and make a choice and a decision to be more honest. I'm not going to stay at four. I'm going to, I'm going to push toward 10. Will you be perfect? I don't think anybody will probably be a 10, but you need to be pushing toward 10, being that type of person. Number three in your notes, always speak the truth in love. We said speak the truth, but it needs to be in love. In other words, I can speak the truth, and it can be like a club. It's not just speaking the truth that matters. It's the attitude behind it. Because I can beat you with the truth. You did this and you did that. And I'm telling the truth maybe, but it's beating you because of the attitude I have behind it. Look at Proverbs 12, 18. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but, wise words spo- but wisely spoken words can heal. So your thoughtless words can hurt people. So I have to speak the truth, but in a thoughtful way. I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to do it in a nice way, in a way where it's 100% clear. Have you ever had people try to tell you the truth, and they hint, and they suggest, and you walk away thinking, what in the world did they say? I have no idea what they were talking about. They never came right out. That's not speaking the truth. Speaking the truth is clear, but loving. You're not trying to bash the person. They might feel hurt, but you're doing it with a loving attitude. Have you ever grieved over things that you've said? I have. And when I think back, a lot of the things I said I grieved over, sometimes they weren't things that weren't true. Sometimes they were true, what I said. It was the truth. But the reason I grieve over it and how it hurt the relationship is the way I said it. So you can say the truth and say it in the wrong way, and you can regret that you ever said the truth. It wasn't the truth that was bad. It was, why did I say it like that? Usually in anger. 
and then maybe the relationship is over. If I could have said that in a nice, loving way, everything would be fine. It wasn't the lack of truth that hurt me. It was the lack of love. Because I said it with an angry, evil spirit. You know, I've said things that weren't nice, too, that maybe weren't the truth, but just out of anger. And I think, like, how did I say that? And it bothers me. Have you ever, are you bothered by things that you've said in the past to people and you're hurt by it? Like, why did I say that? I feel so horrible about that. And you can't do anything to take it back. They're still hurt. They're, no matter what you say, it's over. You've lost the relationship. You've lost the friendship. And you regret it. That is a part of life. But you know what that teaches me? Speak the truth in love. It's important to speak the truth in love. I want to speak the truth. But I better be loving. I better be sensitive at how I come across. Have you heard people say, well, I just say what I feel. That means you're foolish, right? You don't just say what you feel. Like it's a prideful thing. I mean, like it's a good thing. Like it's a virtue. It can be a vice. It's saying it in a loving way that makes a difference. Saying it in the right way. Saying it in a way that's productive. Not in a way that's slamming them and hurting them. They might feel hurt no matter what you say if you tell them the truth. But you want to say it in a sensitive, loving way. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Gentle words cause life and health. Goodness and graciousness go hand in hand, right? Gentle words cause life and health. I want my words to cause life. I want my words to cause health. I think to do that, I need to be loving in how I say it. I thought this was interesting. I was reading uh, uh, this um, thing about this pastor and what happened was, he's with his wife, this, he's with a woman and her husband in a hospital. The husband's in a coma. The doctor's there. And the doctor is telling the wife uh, in front of the guy in the coma, it's hopeless, he's brain dead. You're wasting your time trying to keep him alive. You know, and all this type of stuff. You know, he, he, he gave her all this and he just had no hope. And, and told her that there was no hope. And he leaves. And the pastor felt so horrible about that, he just didn't feel right about it. And the pastor went over to the guy named John and started talking to him, the guy in the coma, and said, I know that you heard what was said, but I want you to know that you can make it. And he was just talking to him positive words. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something encouraging and positive. And he said, right then, they could see tears coming from his eyes. And that's when they realized he hears. He's supposedly brain dead, but he hears. They didn't think it was an accident that tears came from his eyes right at that moment when he was encouraging him. And sure enough, the guy does end up recovering. And, but the guy, after he recovered, said, after getting out of the coma, said he remembered that conversation, and that's what gave him the hope to keep living. I think your words give people life. It can give someone that's so depressed that they want to die. Have you ever met someone that wanted to commit suicide because they're so depressed? They want to die. And the positive words that somebody says to them gives them hope, life, and health. They end up not taking their life simply because of the encouragement of somebody else. Your words give life and health. Your words can destroy people. Your words can give life and health. I want my words to give life and health. They don't always do that, but I want my words to give life and health. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, A word of encouragement does wonders. You encourage somebody, and you might not ever realize why and how big that was. 
You might encourage somebody, a kid, go on your way, and that, that kid remembers it when they're 30 years old. And you don't even remember that you said it. That kid remembers it. They were six years old, you said something to them, and it impacted their life for, forever. And you'll never know. That's why it's so important to have encouraging words. You'll never understand the impact that you make in people's lives for the good. One of the heroes of the Bible is Barnabas. His nickname is Encourager. That's his nickname in the Bible, Encourager. In a world filled with people that discourage you, it's good to have an encourager in your life. I think that that's one of the reasons he was so good in ministry. He was an encourager. I think he spoke the truth, but in love. Being an encourager doesn't mean flattery. It's still speaking the truth, but in love. When you speak the truth in a loving way, people can receive it much easier. You're going to meet people next week. All of us are going to meet people next week. I don't know who you're going to meet this week. I don't know who you're going to be around, but I know one thing for sure. They have all of them have one thing in common. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's hurting. They're hurting, hurting in different ways, but one person that you meet is hurting in their marriage. One person that you meet is hurting over something in school. Some person's hurting with their finances or with their job. Or, but everybody's hurting. There's something, you know, you know physical sickness, whatever. Everybody has a hurt. Knowing that, we need to all be encouragers. It's a guarantee that everybody's hurting, so we need to be encouragers. People that are hurting don't need to be, you know, kicked when they're down. They need to be lifted up. They need to be built. We need to build them up. So I want us to be a group of people that we encourage people. We don't tear them down. They're already torn down. We build them up. We help give them life and health by what we say. So I want you to evaluate yourself in this one. You know, if you don't speak the truth in a loving way, when you, when you speak the truth, if it's unloving, give yourself a one. If you always speak the truth in a loving way, give yourself a ten. If you do it half, like half the time I come out loving, other half I, I'm angry when I say it and it comes out unloving, give yourself a five. But where are you? You know, if you're a two... You want to get higher. You know, if you're eight, you can still get higher. I doubt anybody speaks the truth and love every single time. But I want you to see where you are. You know, where am I in this? If you know, if you're below 50%, that's not good. I've got to make some changes. I've got to learn how to speak the truth in a loving way. And then I want you to commit to that. Are you ashamed of some of the things that you've said? I know I am. And I've said this, yeah, like, you know, that's just not like me. Do you know what? It's exactly like you. You say, wait a minute. No, it's not like me. I said it, but it's not like me. Here's what Matthew says. Matthew 15, 18, Jesus spoke. The things that come out of your mouth come from your heart. Oh, don't you hate that verse? Now it it exposes me. Because I want to believe that I'm not that way. That's just not like me. What happened? It's exactly like me because it came out of my heart. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. That's exactly where I was at that point in my life. You might have grown since that time, but I trust God's word way more than I trust myself. And God's word says the things that come out of my mouth come from my heart. So it revealed my character. It showed me exactly where I was at that point in my life. You know, where did that come from? You're like, I say something, where did that come from? It came from your heart. 
came from my heart. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. That's important for you to realize. Because now I want you to look at your, what comes out of your mouth, and you can tell where your heart is. Your heart doesn't have to stay there. That's the good news. What came out of your mouth, your heart does not have to stay there. You can make changes so that no longer comes out of your mouth because you've had a heart change. You can try to control your mouth. Mm, mm. And, it can be a, and you can fight your mouth every day. Or you can have your heart changed and it just won't come out. It just won't come out because you've been changed from the inside. The tongue is like a picture into your soul for you to recognize so you can make those changes for a better life. God wants to have a hold of your heart. He wants to change that in your life. Is there anything in your life that you're pretending not to know? A major problem in a relationship and you're ignoring it, ignoring it, but it's in your heart, it's bothering you and it needs to be talked about. For the sake of your relationship, talk about it. Think before you speak. Speak the truth and speak the truth in love. There is something about writing it down. If you can't uh, put your thoughts in writing, you probably haven't thought it through all the way. Some, if it's something serious that needs to be talked about, like in our marriage, I've needed to talk about this a long time, but I don't know how to say it right. You know, there's something about writing it out and reading it and getting it out so you can really communicate what you feel. Because if you don't have the ability to write it down, you probably haven't thought it through enough. But then risk the conflict and share the truth and expect conflict. Expect it. So you're not sharing the truth with the idea of keeping the peace. You're sharing the truth expecting that there might be conflict. But knowing that the relationship's going to get better because now, at least from your side, the cards are laid open on the table. You're not hiding anything anymore. You're willing to have intimacy. You're willing to work on things. You're willing to fight for the marriage in a good way or for the relationship in a good way to make things better. We need a change of heart. Jesus is in the business of changing our heart. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, I've never really even opened up my life to Christ. I've never really put him on the throne of my life. It starts there. Because like I was saying with Proverbs, we can memorize the Proverbs, but if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you don't have the power. So it starts there. Make sure that Jesus is number one in your heart, and then you take these things from Proverbs, wise ways of living, and commit to them, but ask Jesus to help you. Ask Jesus to help you to do it. Because I think it's hard. Our tongue is a, one of the hardest things that we can ever control. The book of James talks about that. The tongue being so difficult to control. It can only be done, I believe, with the help of Jesus Christ in our life. With that, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I want to encourage everybody to make this your prayer. You can pray along with me silently. As we really are giving our mouth in a way to God. God, take control of my mouth. But we know it's really our heart. That, he, that we need to give to him. Let's pray. Dear God, we ask that you help us to think before we speak, that all of us here will be committed to that. We say stuff that we have no place saying. We say things in the fit of rage or frustration or anger or jealousy or fear, and we don't want that to be our life. We get ourselves into trouble so many times with these things. Lord, help us to be committed to speaking the truth. But, Lord, for us to speak the truth in a loving way, 
that can encourage. And Lord, we know it's going to take us to conflict. But Lord, in order to move from a superficial relationship into a deep, intimate relationship, we're willing to work through that conflict in order to have a great relationship so that things don't stay the same, that they actually get better. Lord, and more than anything, we ask that you give us a new heart. Lord, that we'll allow you to change our hearts so that we can communicate in a loving way because it's really up to you and what you do in our lives. So we submit our life to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.